Hi, I'm Dr. Sam Bars. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Youth in Education podcast, where we explore developments in education, research and policy that affect young people, primarily in the UK, with a range of expert guests. This podcast is brought to you by the Centre for Education and Youth. Hi, it's Alex and welcome to the podcast. In this episode, I speak with Dame Rachel D'Souza, Children's Commissioner for England. The Children's Commissioner speaks up for children and young people so that policymakers and the people who have an impact on young people's lives can take their views and interests into account when making decisions about them. The role is independent of government and has unique powers to help bring about long-term change, especially for the most vulnerable young people. Rachel is a nationally recognised educator and was appointed a dame in the 2014 New Year's Honours for her services to education. Before taking on the role as Children's Commissioner, she led two schools from failing to outstanding and founded and led the Inspiration Trust, a family of 14 schools in East Anglia. In this episode, Rachel and I discuss themes from my chapter on mental health from CFUI's Young People on the Margins book. We explore Rachel's work on the topic so far, including young people's feedback in the Big Ask survey, one of the biggest ever surveys of children we've seen, with over half a million responses from young people in England aged 4 to 17. We also look to what is needed in the future of support for young people's mental health. I hope you enjoy listening. The Centre for Education and Youth believes society should ensure all children and young people receive the support they need to make a fulfilling transition to adulthood. Find us at cfey.org. Well, I am absolutely delighted to welcome this morning Dame Rachel D'Souza to the Youth and Education podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Rachel. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, so great to be here, Alex. Um, so I'm, my name is Rachel D'Souza. I'm Children's Commissioner for England. Um, but I've got a long um, history in my career of working in schools. Um, so I started my career as a teacher um, back in Oxfordshire in 1991, um, moved to Tower Hamlets, which is very different. I think that's where I really learned to teach um, and then worked in Luton for a while in a variety of different settings and set up my first academy. It was a Tony Blair sponsored academy in Luton um, in 2005-06. I think I was his number 57 or something. Um And that was a fantastic experience. It was a bottom 200 school. And and it was just those days where we believed, you know, with with belief and, you know, doing things differently, we could achieve anything. So that was a very exciting project to do. And I'm really proud that school, which had been, you know, bottom of league tables for a long, long, long time and failing for a long time. Um, now, 15 years later, is still good. Um, so uh, it's, you know, it proved to me that brilliant school improvement can work. Um, then moved to Norwich um, and did Victory Academy, another academy in quite a different context, but still a sponsored academy. And then I suppose I was pondering my what I wanted to do at that point. And some good colleagues um, who were Norfolk based, um, who became, became who became my trustees, approached me and said, hey, let's let's set up a local trust. Let's take the schools in Norfolk that have perhaps not been performing as they should and create a real trust for Norfolk and actually North Suffolk because we did go into Lowestoft. So uh, last 10 years have been just the most amazing adventure, bringing together a family of schools, you know, that spanned from Cromer to Yarmouth to um, Lower Staff to Norwich to Thetford. And what a brilliant team to work with and what brilliant children and families. Um, So having done my 10 years there, um, when I saw the Children's Commissioner's role come up, I just couldn't resist it. I thought 
coming out, first of all, it's got to be the best national job, hasn't it? In terms of, you know, you're not, your, your job is to protect and promote the rights of children, to amplify their voice, you know, to government, to public service, to to just make sure that, that people think about children when they're decision making for them. Um, so it was it was even though it was a wrench to leave my trust, it was such an exciting role. And I had to go through a horrendously competitive process. And at, at my grand age, that was that was, you know, it was a real challenge. Um, but I'm so pleased I did it. And it is a privilege every day to do this job. I absolutely love it. So that's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, you've had such an exciting career and, and so varied. And of course, the Children's Commissioner role, as you as you describe, is a really exciting position. And, and congratulations again um, on, on achieving it. It's been described as the eyes and ears of, of children in the system and across the country. Um, you've, you've touched on it a little bit already, but, you know, what does it really mean to you to be in that position and, and representing young people in that way? I thought hard about this question. I mean, I, I, there was a point where I almost, I almost pulled away from going for it because one of the big, big things about this role is is protecting and promoting the rights, particularly of the most vulnerable. Um, so that's you know, there's there's the job came into being after the Victoria Climbier death, um, where everybody, government, public services wanted to do better. And it has a specific focus on protecting the most vulnerable children in care. Now, my own mother um, actually was, is care experienced, was in care until she was seven in an orphanage. And, and I knew the kind of the, the that you know, what that means to someone's life. I mean, she's 77 now and still it's it's a big part of our life, those early years, that early experience. I mean, she was in an orphanage in um, in Bavaria after the war in 45 and then so didn't meet her own actual birth mother until seven years later. Now, I, because of that experience of, of real lived experience, I, I, I understood the real profound importance of this role. And it was so close to me that I, I almost kind of thought it's too close. Um, but I thought, look, you know, we have to step in. We have to. We have to listen. We have to do better. We have to do more for these children. Um, and, 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 and also I felt as a, having had that academies and schools background, it was the one piece, I think, of the public sector and public sector reform where we were very fronty and outcomes focused and that belief that all children can. And I, and I, I thought, well, this is a chance to bring that outcomes focus, that success orientation to the most, you know, those those working with and the most vulnerable children, because ultimately, what do we want? We want them to thrive and to succeed and to have great lives. So, so I think that was kind of my thinking process about about how. So it wasn't straightforward for me. It was complex. So I think that bit of the role, and, and I'm still getting across all the areas. I mean, this role covers, you know, you're you're working with everything from youth justice, health, you know. Um, uh, children in gangs, vulnerable children, children in care. There's there's an awful lot to get over, um, but it, so, so at the moment it's still really exciting learning and thinking about all those areas and how we can do better. But my kind of, I mean, we, we during that time we've been doing we've been doing a lot here. But I, I am formulating my ideas with system leaders and senior colleagues about how we can bring that reform thinking and that focus on, you know, ensuring all young people success and thrive and that, and that bit of radical thinking to 
all public sector services that work around children so that we can, you know, really see some change. And I want that to be a central focus of my next five years. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, You've touched on a couple of things there that are really important to me as well. And I think uh, that combination of understanding lived experience, but also, you know, maintaining high aspirations and the goal of, of really helping young people to overcome challenges and achieve their full potential is something that's so important to us at CFEY as well. And um, a key part of uh, our book, which was released earlier this year, Young People on the Margins, um, where I wrote a chapter about mental health, again, something that I have personal experience of. Um, and um, as you say, something that, you know, it, it, where I really want to see positive change happening because it means so much to me. Um, you have very kindly supported the launch of, of the book. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you thought of it? Oh, you know, I absolutely love that book. And in fact, um, I read that book when I was writing and preparing my application for this role. And it was very instructive. I thought what was fantastic was the way um, you took each theme from place-based working, mental health, a range of themes, and really explored them in depth with, with the lived experience of, of both the authors and young people, and which I know is a CFEY, a, a real kind of, that's what you do. Um, I thought the book was great. It was needed in the sector, but I particularly loved your chapter, Alex. I said it at the time. Um, I was at that time really starting to think about mental health um, in a more holistic way and your chapter just was you were such a great teacher in that chapter because you you really shared your own personal experience and then framed it in terms of how we can now positively make a difference whether that's through education whether that's through health support in the range of different ways so it was both deeply personal and incredibly useful um and I just love that writing so well done brilliant chapter <laughs> thank you so um, much yeah, well, and I think those the, the key messages from your chapter are very much aligned with what children and young people have told us in the big ask. Mm. And I think it's, um, I think I'm, um, I'm amazed um, when I when I listen to children and listen to the voice of children across England, uh, just how ahead of us and us the adults, and how. Um, how mature they are, you know, in their understanding of both mental health, mental health, physical health, the interaction of the two, and and how articulate they are about mental health. And uh, that's been been absolutely fascinating for me. And your chapter was like the first step um, on my journey on really thinking about that. So then, but then hearing from England's children in the big ask about mental health, been their most, you know, coming out of lockdown, you know, the children of England told us, I mean, I mean, we had, you know, over half a million responses to our biggest survey. They told us the biggest barrier to them thriving was their own concerns about mental health, their own mental health and those of their, those of their colleagues. So we cannot underestimate this. Um, and, you know, it's going to be a key bit working in this office. We've already done a lot uh, uh, in this area and we mustn't stop. It's uh, they've given us that message loud and clear. But for me, that started with your chapter. So <laughs> I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, the Big Ask survey was an absolutely fantastic piece of work. One of the biggest surveys of children we've seen, um, as you say, over half a million responses from young people in England aged four to 17 um, and a really varied um, um 
backgrounds of young people contributing as well. Um, and it was great to see that one of the kind of outcomes that you want to focus on uh, following that feedback is, is mental health. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what your priorities are in that area and, and the kind of action that you're taking? Yeah, so, I mean, the great news is that we've we've already been able to do a lot. So we hit the ground running, um, hit the ground running here. Um, so the half a million responses to the Big Ask and the clear message about mental health, um, I've been able to take that to ministers across government already. Um, so, uh, you know, ed- the, the education ministers, both, both um, the predecessor and Nadim um, really read it, embraced it, and have recognised the centrality of mental health issues. Um, and we've been able to, I mean, yesterday I was with um, uh, Secretary of State for Health, Sajid Javid, and he's, he I shared the biggest data with him, the voices of children, and he's absolutely um, given me a commitment that that's going to be central to it, to, you know, on his agenda, you know, and ensuring that the NHS, um, you know, delivery plan, the new plan, um, really delivers for kids. I mean, but that, what 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 the Voices of Children have given me is the ability to go into ministers and say, look, half a million <laughs> children, 6% of four to 17-year-olds are saying this. Um, and, you know, and this is what they're saying. These are their words. We can help you. We'll share that data with you, but you can't ignore it. And I think, um, I think certainly um, my concern was that in, in particularly in... Um, you know, in in the NHS, which has so many priorities, you know, my worry was that children's mental health was not being prioritised as it should. Um, so yes, the 217 Act and the really good, the 217 Green Paper and all the good thinking about mental health have given us, you know, a really good blueprint. Mm-hmm. Um, the NHS have been funded, but then, you know, for me, it, it seemed to get lost. You know, it wasn't prioritised. I mean, there's a saying that all the NHS have told us that you know within ten years all children's mental health needs you know will have been met. You know, will have will have acted on that. Well, that's you know ten years. That's to me that's too long. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing. So so I've been able to work directly with ministers as soon as the big ask, all summer. What even while we were writing up the big ask, we would we developed our policy papers. We developed a clear policy paper for mental health, and we have worked really hard all summer lobbying ministers and departments and civil servants on the spending review to try to prioritise children and young people again children's mental health there been approaches. I was really pleased. So I've also talked to uh, the new NHS um, CEO, Amanda Pritchard, and explained that, you know, the importance of prioritising children's mental health. Look, every pound spent is going to give you masses more in terms of money saved. Mm-hmm. So, so we've been making the case. I was pleased to see some really positive things to come out for children um, in the spending review. I was also pleased to see the new NHS uh, CEO announced the next group of mental health support teams rollouts. Yes. Um, but we are we have just been absolutely clear getting on every working group, every every rollout group to really explain what children want. And what do they want? Well, they're telling us, they're telling us they want their needs to be met early. They want them to be met um they want them to be met in a place that that works for them, mainly school. So lots of them have said, you know, they'd like their 
early concerns to be picked up there. They've talked to us about, been very positive about digital counselling. They want access to counsellors, but they also understand that they have a lot of control over their own mental health as well. So how they live, you know, they're thinking about activities, the online world and a range of different things. We're working on all of those areas, um, both with government, with public services and trying to make a difference. And and uh, job number one, get kids' voices there, influence policy. Yes, making amplifying the voices of young people is really valuable and really important. That's something that we really care about at CFUY as well. And I think particularly when it comes to mental health, I, I can say from my own experience that being trusted um, and listened to um, and and people taking your concerns and your feelings seriously really makes a big difference. So, so that's really good to hear. Um, you mentioned that um, school is a really important place where um, support for mental health and well-being can be um, provided um, and also where problems that are coming up can be identified early. Um, obviously, schools are under a lot of pressure at the moment with the catch-up agenda. Um, they're juggling a lot of different responsibilities. Do you think schools are getting enough support to deliver that kind of care for well-being and mental health alongside the academic catch-up? Do you know, I think that's a that's an interesting and complex question because we could make it simply an answer about have they been funded enough, right? But actually what I'm hearing, so when I look around schools around the country and if there's one thing, you know, I mean, during lockdown, I've made sure I've been everywhere. <laughs> so, I've, I mean, I've, I've been to schools from Gateshead to Bristol to to Manchester, to Withenshaw, or to Grimsby, to Scunthorpe, and got in and talked to her teachers and children about these things. Um, and, and one of the interesting things is you will see some schools having a really fantastic grasp of how they can have a whole school approach to mental health, um, how really understanding the things they can do, you know, having fantastically trained senior leaders, staff, you know, and, and an understanding of, you know, right down to the nuance of, the way we talk about examinations or, uh, you know, is actually going to really impact, you know, anxiety levels in kids. Mm, and actually, if we just frame it differently, if we do that differently at 11, at 14, you know, at 16, it's going to have a big impact. So I think I think we've got a, a, a groundswell of schools that really know what they're doing here and are really confident. I see other schools who are like, well, not quite sure how to do that. Mm. So, you know, I'm pleased to see the funding that's just gone into training mental health leads in schools and and particularly senior leaders in schools. I also think there's an issue around, um, around so many schools are committing funds to counselling and counsellors, for example, and they're doing it out their own budgets. As a school leader, as a trust leader, that's something I would do. And I'm seeing lots of innovative models coming. What the questions I'm getting asked more and more is, but what kind of counselling should we put in? But what works? But what, you know? So one of the things I was talking to the health secretary about yesterday was get these mental health teams rolled out quickly, even if you can't have, like, the full density coverage immediately, at least you could get some really good clinical governance, you know, governance and support for leaders in this area. So they have a strong sense of what works. Mm. And I was talking to the... um, early intervention um, uh, fund team who are like a what works center who've done a massive piece of work on children's mental health and what works the the knowledge is there now you know we know probably that uh, um, you know CBT has been shown to be more effective than say um, 
than say um, some mindfulness program. So let's share that knowledge with head teachers. Let's make sure they know what 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 sort of to be putting in, so they know how to support young people. I think the will is there. I think the money's going in. But I think one of our issues is what should we actually be doing? So it's that whole school approach. It's those what's what kinds of counselling work. Um, and then, of course, we've got the issue about the more serious end, um, you know, and, and I think you and I both know that CAMS needs an approach now that isn't about moving deck chairs around on the deck. It's about rebuilding the ship. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm really hoping to see the NHS with its partners grasp that nettle and I'm lobbying hard for that. Um, I think it should be a serious part of public sector recovery. Um, head teachers, so that school point, I mean, head teachers have and teachers have looked into young people's lives during lockdown in a way they never got the opportunity to quite before because, because we've been going into children's lives on, you know, through Zoom, because we've been, you know, really engaged with delivering that support and help. So I think the moment's now. I think we really need to rebuild our CAM system. We need to really build on. There, there, there are areas at work. We do need CCGs and the new ICSs to be prioritising funding for children's mental health. Mm-hmm. Tell me this. Why, why when you've got, say, Grimsby and Scunthorpe next door to each other under the same health authority, why is one incredibly successful and positive, you know, on the data in in waiting times, and the other not. It's because they're not ring fencing funding in the same way. Mm. So we need those. We need that accountability for CCGs or the new ICSs to be looking at, you know, which of these areas are really working. Hartlepool's fantastic. Some parts of West London are awful. It's nothing to do with, you know wealth and deprivation of areas, it's to do with what's been invested and, you know, what priority it is for the CCGs and the new ICSs. So, again, with ICSs coming in, let's use that moment to prioritise children's mental health. It's such a good point. And I think it's something that you raised in an, um, a profile interview that you did with Schools Week as well, where you were talking about the kind of lack of joined up thinking. And I think both that sort of the connections within the sector and the sharing of best practice is a really important way that we can improve the services that young people are getting and the kind of experiences that, that they're having. Um, in terms of I'm aware that you're we're a little bit short of time now and I don't want to keep you too long. Um We've touched on quite a few different factors there that are affecting young people's mental health. We've got the pandemic, we've got uh, the impact of technology, we've got exam pressures. Is there anything else that you think is a significant factor that will impact young people's mental health in, say, like the next five years that we should be thinking about? Yeah, so, I mean, a couple of things for me. One, um, and again, listening to children in the big ask and listening to young people in the big ask has kind of opened my eyes to, you know, when you get four million kids telling you something, it, 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 sorry, sorry, 400,000 kids telling you something, you feel, you know, that, that you know, we've got to take this seriously. So for, so for me, I think the digital world, we've got the online safety bill coming. I think, I think um, online harms is going to come more and more to the fore. You, we can't, none of us can help but have been shocked by some of the revelations that have come through around Facebook and Instagram recently. And I know um, they're through whistleblowing. I know we're looking into them, but, but you know, the, the um, particularly teenage, older teenage girls experience mm. online is a real concern for me. I've been writing about it, lobbying about it. I'm meeting Nadine Doris about it. Now government have, you know, com- commissioned my office to, 
um, look into this and to give recommendations. But I mean, I really think we've got an opportunity with the online harms bill to hold, to try to hold the social media companies to greater accounts um, and to just, you know, really say no as a country, no more. This has got to stop. You can't be using algorithms that target teenage girls with, you know, materials about, you know, about how to, around eating disorders and how to, you know, totally, um, you know, unrealistic body image things. You know, we all know about the everyone's invited work and I was proud to be involved in that, um, but it can't stop. You know, we have to be protecting girls and boys online. And we've been working, I mean, I had a group of young people in to the department yesterday to give us advice on that. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I think that's a really important um, area that we must focus on. I think also a strong, um, a really strong kind of coming out of lockdown theme from children was about places to go, things to do um, that affect their well-being, um, whether that was just your traditional being able to do sport again, being able to do drama, being able to do things after school, um, but also safe places in the community. Mm-hmm. Do you know the biggest word, uh, the word that was used the most in the whole Big Ask uh, survey by children was play? Um, you know, one child, yeah, one, one, there's one quote that stays with me. I want to get off the labyrinth, the dark labyrinth of social media and get out into the fresh air, see my friends and play. Mm. And that word was just came up again and again. And, you know, for me, it's as fundamental as what is childhood like in England, you know? And, you know, if I've got kids worrying about social media, being, been you know targeted by algorithms with negative images it's just not good enough uh, you know we need to create a much more positive model of childhood and that's what I'm absolutely determined to do fantastic yeah I couldn't agree more and uh, we've been doing a lot of work at CFUY recently looking at um, programs of outdoor learning and those kind of extracurricular activities that can really help young people to kind of ground themselves and be back in the bigger picture rather than as you say that really unpleasant labyrinth of social media which can distort things so drastically um thanks very much for that um and looking to the future we know that um you know the past 18 months or so have left a lot of young people feeling really anxious about their lives and what they can expect um what can we be doing to support them to feel more optimistic well i think job number one is is our uh, is listening to them and and i mean i'm really working hard on feeding back to them what they've told us because the messages are so positive. I mean, 80% of young people have told us that they're happy or okay. Um, they're, they're, I mean, if I summed up, you know, what, what English children have told us about themselves, I think they're an incredibly caring generation. Mm-hmm. I think they care for each other. Um, it's not just about I've got this problem. It's about wanting all the generation to have the opportunities and support. I would say that they're really interested in fairness, equalities, equalities for all. Um, I think they're very green. Um, So that green agenda is huge in the environment, which is why I touched on it. Um, And they they are very, very focused, are very ambitious, focused on getting great jobs and very optimistic about their own futures. I think we need to be sort of feeding that back and reflecting that back to them and creating um, creating a system that 
allows their ambition to be realized uh, in all those areas. And, and so for me, it's about action. But, but the first thing is to acknowledge, you know, that they are this terrific generation. And whilst they've had to go through something that's really tough and they've cut, come out, some of them have come out seriously vulnerable from that, um, overall, they are very positive about the future. And we've got to make that, we've got to help them make that world. Um, so that that's, for me, you know, where we, what we need to do. Yes, they've been incredibly resilient, I think, as a generation with all the things that they've faced. It is fantastic to see that there is still some positivity there and, and, and hope for the future. And um, and finally, just to wrap up, um, what are your hopes for the future, your hopes and goals um, from what you can achieve for your work in, in the coming um, few years? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I... I I li- uh, the job of listening to children and the big ask, I, I under- I, I've under- I, I sort of feel like I have the weight of the generation's voice. <laughs> so I think we've really heard from them. So I'm just writing my three-year three-year plan at the moment, and, and it's about delivering what those children have told us they want. And that's, you know, everything from, um, you know, uh, great communities, more support for families, you know, support for their own mental and physical health, um, a great education, the skills that they need and, and the abilities to understand about adult life so they can create the futures that they want. That's the role of this office now is to, is to work with, you know, the, the public sector, private sector, uh, government to try to realise that dream. Um, for this generation so that whilst they've experienced this real trauma, you know, we've, I think we've got a, a chance to um, really create, you, you really to harness that ambition and help these children, you know, create, create the world they want that, that it's as, it's as big and as, you know, as that really. Um, so that's the ambition. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. And it's really encouraging to hear that you're putting so much emphasis on this and and listening to the voices of young people um, in the way that you are, because I think that really has power to make a difference. Um, An absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you so much for making the time and uh, wish you all the best for that work. We love making this podcast. If you enjoy listening to it as much as we enjoy making it, there's a few things that you can do. One, subscribe. Hit the subscribe button in iTunes or wherever you're listening. Two, share. Share this episode with someone you know who will find it interesting. Three, review. Write a review or leave a comment. Also, feel free to contact us via the links in the show notes. Thanks a lot.